Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Academy, announcing the 24th of our Italian Wine Ambassador courses to be held in London, Austria, and Hong Kong from the 27th to the 29th of July. Are you up for the challenge of this demanding course? Do you want to be the next Italian Wine Ambassador? Learn more and apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hi there, everyone. Uh, let me just uh, talk a little bit about Clubhouse. It is 6 p.m. at the moment in Verona, Italy. We actually do these every week and they get replayed on the Italian Wine Podcast. So this will be on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. And tonight we have Anna Obuhovskaya who is interviewing Pierangelo Tomasi. Now, I will introduce Anna in just a moment, um, but I just wanted to say that, yeah, Clubhouse has been super successful and we are basically uh, replaying it on the podcast so that people all over the world can listen to it in their own time zones. So, yeah. Anna, are you, are you there? Yes, uh, I'm here. Hi, everyone. Hi. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Right. Not sure. Exactly right. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I was sure I didn't, but okay. That's great. So, um, yeah, there are, um, I, you are based in St. Petersburg and you have 13 years of uh, experience in wine uh, marketing and sales, and you've had many different roles. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, best cabist of 2011. I could, I could just go through a very long list, but I want to ask you why you chose, uh, your producer today, Pierangelo. Well, um, it was actually easy <laughs> to pick Tomasi because, uh, uh, they produce, uh, one of the most impressive wines I have ever tried, Amarone de Buris, a flagship wine of the estate from a single wine yard. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, it's uh, Amarone of great finesse and elegance where power isn't straightforward, but hidden between countless layers of aromas and taste nuances, you know. And besides that, I also have respect for the business approach and the new project that Tomasi develops. They make wines at the most perspective appellations of Italy, Marema and Mantolcino in Tuscany, Vulture in Basilicata, Altrepa Pavese in Lombardia, and Mandure in Tule. So that's why. <laughs> okay, well, you're a fan. <laughs> I can see that. I'm, well, if, you know, what, what are the, 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 the learning objectives? That's normally what Stevie, Stevie asks these questions much better than I do, but what, what learning objectives um, can we get from, from your interview today, do you think? Well, you know, Joy, um, 
today I'd really like us to learn more about not not really about the area or grape variety, but uh, about the approach and business vision of a winemaking company. Uh, the point that interests me the most with Tamazi is uh, what are the key factors for family company to be successful today? You know, there are many, many family uh, companies on the market and not that all of them are as, as successful as Tamazi. So I hope we talk about it with Pierangelo today and he shares some secrets with us. Oh, okay. Well, that actually, that sounds very interesting because um, that's that's true. There are so many family wineries and uh, each one is so unique. So I'm I'm looking forward to your conversation with him. Is is Pierangelo in the room now? Yes, I am. I've been listening every single word. Hi, everyone. It's, it's lovely to meet you, Pierangelo. I am going to let you and Anna have your, your interview now. I'm going to, to mute myself. Thank you, Joy. Thank you very much for introducing this. And uh, well, from my end, uh, I would like to say thank you all for attending this podcast. I'm very glad to to share with you as many information as possible about not only myself, but more importantly, Tomasi family states. You see, Anna, I cannot promise to share really secrets, <laughs> but at least some insights of Tomasi, that's for sure. Wonderful. Okay, we will we will talk. We will talk, really. Um, Joy, uh, let me also uh, say uh, how I discovered uh, wines of Tomasi, how, when it happened and uh, in which sequences. Okay. Okay, go ahead, you guys. And at the end, I will uh, intervene. And if there's time for questions or if there is time, then we'll, we'll have some questions if there are any. Otherwise, um, yeah, I'll see you guys at the end. All right. Thank you. Uh, so, um, well, I've met, uh, uh, we had Tomasi wines at the portfolio of the importer that I used to work with at the time, Luding, and I was uh, selling the uh, Tomasi wines for my customers, but later in Verona, last summer, during the Ambassador's program, uh, there was a seminar on historical families of Amarone, which uh, Pierangelo Tomasi attended, and we uh, finally met in person. And it was really a unique chance to taste different Amarone wines from legendary producers like Allegrini, Masi, Speri, Tadeshi, Zenato, Brigaldara, uh, 13 in total. And comparing these wines, I noticed how elegant and sophisticated Tomasi Amarone was. And I appreciated, appreciated it even more. Uh, so I shared my impression with uh, Pierangelo, and he was very kind to invite me to visit the winery. And I did. Uh, I did it a few months uh, later in November. I had a chance finally to drive to the Deburis vineyard uh, of my favorite uh, Amarone and to work to walk on its calcareous soil and better understand where the style of this flagship Amarone comes from. So this wine yard is on the top of the hill with fantastic view. I could even see Lake Garda from there. So I also visited uh, estate and gorgeous cellar. And I should mention that uh, Armani, the fashion brand, organized a show, a runway show uh, in the cellar some years ago. So I'm not the only one who thinks that Tomasi's cellar is beautiful, you know. 
and I visited a very modern wine shop and museum of the wine and perceived how much work is behind Tomasi brand and each glass of wine they produce. So seeing back uh, black and white uh, photos of uh, the estate um, uh, that was that were made decades ago and comparing it with today, I felt really strong impression in the fact that it's a family-run company impresses me even more. You know, you compare it with uh, decades ago and com you compare it now, and it's, you can see really huge progress that this uh, company made within years. So I'm I'm really happy to to be talking to Pierangelo today, and uh, I have a few questions to ask. Okay. I am ready, Anna. Anytime. Uh, let me, uh, Pierangelo. Let me uh, introduce you. Uh, your career um, uh, as a CEO of the. You were born in uh, 1975 in one of the greatest Italian wine families, Tomasi family estate, founded in 1902. And uh, you were uh, one of the nine members of a current uh, fourth generation who run the family business. Is that right? Yeah, this is correct. Okay. And as soon as you finished uh, your studies, you went to work full time in the company and started uh, training as a warehouse worker, then a wine shop responsible for wine tours and tasting, then expert director and working uh, your way in the company until current position, the executive director. So that's quite an impressive career, I must say. Uh, so uh, then uh, you uh, inherited your passion for wine from your father and uncles. Uh, with whom you went through the vineyards, driving tractors and use, uh, using mm -hmm. harvest uh, the grapes. Uh, so you inherited the rigor and loyalty as well. Such qualities have allowed you to make uh, the reins of foreign markets and to be often one of the over 70 countries where Tomasi family estate wines are distributed. So you are married, have two kids and a dog and indulges in your passion, soccer, both as a player and as a fan. Well, <laughs> is everything yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, I mean, everything is correct. I would say that I, I, I used to be a player of soccer, but now being 46 year old, I have to be very careful. So I still consider myself a good player, but although I'm not uh, that young anymore to really be active as I used to be, but this is actually correct. Thank you. Yeah, um, my uh, my first question was actually about uh, your your personal mm -hmm. story. Uh, how yeah. how how uh, your how your career started? Really, I just uh, said a few words uh, about yeah. it. But but could you could you say it from your point of view? Yeah. I mean, I mean, which do you think what was the stumbling point? in your career when when you realize you really want to be in this business well you see i mean uh, i uh, i kind of introduced quickly the company itself before getting to talk a little more about myself in a sense that to answer your last question uh, i mean that came easily being part of a family which dna has always been in wine production since uh, 1902 actually 120 years ago when uh, my great-grandfather who was a farmer working 
a vineyard here in the Valpolicella classical region, uh, but the, this vineyard was actually owned by another uh, very noble rich family. He had the chance to buy this vineyard from his boss because his uh, desire, his long-term project and vision was to, to do something on his own. And he started the, the, the Tomasi uh, business though. So growing in a family that has always been part of the wine industry, uh, the passion and a desire to be involved is almost natural, I would say. So uh, going back to myself and to your question, although my studies in, in particular in high school were not specifically linked to viticulture nor enology, but I actually studied and graduated in, uh, in a school that was actually focused on foreign languages and tourism. And that helped me once I uh, decided to finally start working in the company, in the family company, to be able to look after the export markets, which, as you mentioned, was not my very beginning in the, say, business career, because as I started as a, as a warehouse worker, uh, got a passion about, you know, uh, logistics as well, which uh, several years later, I can say, it's been extremely important for my for my business life because once you learn about logistics and how to actually handle things in warehouse, your 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 mind is mentally prepared to in a way organize things, handle with people, uh, and also in a way uh, try to have a sort of a long term vision. And uh, and after this uh, year and a half of really training and working in warehouse, I could finally start. Uh, introduce, in, introduce myself to be a little more into the, the, the export business of our company, which back then was already pretty well in a way uh, uh, organized, but I had the chance in so many years to definitely uh, take it to the next level. So then when you are in the family business like we are, at some point uh, you kind of have to have somebody to take the further step up uh, to the role of uh, of CEO, and and that is actually me, and I'm very proud of that. Well, did you did your parents uh, insist on you being a part of a family business? Not at all, not at all. You see, this is actually quite fascinating, I would say, about our family. But I can tell you uh, more in general. I think it is very much part of the of the Veneto, uh, in a way, DNA and attitude. There are several uh, industries here in the Verona and more in general Veneto region. Wine, you know, agriculture and more in general. Uh, we actually have the very famous marble production here in Verona province. Tourism, uh, for instance, linked to the amazing historic city center Verona, but also Lake Garda and, and, and several others actually. Uh, and uh, I can tell you there are so many family companies in all these industries because it is quite uh, you know normal as part of a local culture and dna so so it's been the same in our family though i mean um, you know opening the uh, the windows the bedroom windows every morning and seeing vineyards you you get in, you get involved with with wine even though you, you don't want it i mean it, you really feel it's part of your life and that actually happened to me and luckily, it happened also to all my uh, sisters and cousins. Uh, 
that we're all involved in the family business. So this is the best way to prove that uh, even though parents did not necessarily insist, but we felt as natural to be involved in, in, in such a lovely uh, business because, I mean, uh, I, mean, I mean, what else would you like to do than be involved in running your own wine company? Well, that's a really good way you put it. Uh, it's really, um, yeah, I, I know there are a lot of uh, family companies in Verona, especially, and it's a very long tradition. So it's really a good way you, um, it's a good point you, you bring up with, uh, with this attitude. Uh, if, you, if you talk about uh, uh, Tomasi wines in general, uh, how would you describe the signature style of Tomasi wines? What is it, to your point? Well, you see, when you, what I mentioned, actually, uh, something about Tomasi wines, as you briefly introduced uh, earlier, uh, mentioning the different regions in Italy where we are actually involved right now. But starting from our homeland, Valpolicella Classico and Amarone wines, for instance, etc., we have always believed in uh, respecting the, the real nature and DNA of the soil and the local grapes. And the same, uh, say, philosophy uh, uh, has been then, in a way, developed and maintained in every other regions where we decided to invest uh, uh, in the in most recent years. So based on that, based on that mission to respect the, so the local characteristics, uh, our wines, uh, have to be in a way, you know, okay, of course, uh, co complex in their way. Uh, some of them are more by nature. Others are more kind of fresh and easy to drink, if you will. But they all have to be elegant, enjoyable, uh, with great finesse. And, uh, and in a way, they have to be no-brainer. I mean, no one around the world has to have any hard time to drink a Tomasi wine and no hard time to match with food. So rather than really trying to make our wines different or just appealing to the trends or to what the potentially the worldwide consumers like, we prefer to maintain the real original DNA and characteristic of each region and do our best to, to produce quality wines that people are really have a good time and enjoy to drink. Yes, I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. I, I actually remember the conversation we had, though, so I know that I'm, I'm kind of knocking an open door with you <laughs> about that. <laughs> right. So uh, what do you think, uh, coming back to this topic of family business, um, what do you think is the most important thing when doing uh, business with family members? You know, you all cousins and brothers and sisters and uncles and yeah, fathers yeah. Yeah, so what I mean, do, yeah how do you stay um um i mean um how would you say in a in a, a good working team i'm sure yeah. you're a great family uh i could see that but but how you stay a, a great what is the key to stay a good uh, team good working team nine of us large uh, you know generation nine members uh, between brothers and cousins, we actually run two different activities in the family group because besides producing wines, we also own hotels and restaurants. 
And, and therefore, to finally answer your question, the most important thing is to get along. When you, uh, when you respect each other, you respect each other's strengths and weakness, you support each other, uh, you also uh, understand that uh, working as a group, you can really achieve great results, whereas becoming individual players, you can easily and quickly be a loser. That is actually very much part of our family, again, DNA, and, and, and in a way, it's been our mission uh, since a long, long time. And then uh, you recognize in everyone uh, the ability uh, to be more involved in something, for instance, uh, either making wines or selling wines or looking after administration and so on and so forth. So ev when everyone has the chance to really do give its best according to the attitude, then you can tell that the team uh, is actually a winner. And, uh, and that, that has been uh, so far uh, for Tomasi Family States since uh, we all part of the fourth generation started uh, in 1997, so 25 years ago. But more importantly, you really have to respect each other every single day. Obviously, you argue sometimes. I'm not here saying that everything is actually perfect. You argue, you discuss, you don't agree, or, or not necessarily agree all the time. But in the end of the day, when you really understand that, that the team is what really wins, then you are a winner. And, I, and I'm very proud that all of us have been very, very close up to now. Uh, that said, we have to thank our fathers and mothers that really grew us up uh, understanding the importance of being and staying close as a family. And this is now the same thing that all the nine members are doing with our own children. I actually have two, as you mentioned, but if I also include all the other, you know, uh, nephews and nieces that I have come from, our, from my cousins and sisters, the fifth generation is made by 16 children and different ages, of course. So our uh, mission today is to grow them up, teaching them how important it is to stay close as a family, respect each other, love each other, besides whether or not they will be working together, because that's still a bit far away from now. But at least they have to love each other, respect each other, and be still close as, as cousins. And, uh, and I'm very positive looking at the way they behave and they stay together, I'm very positive that the fifth generation will continue uh, with the same trend as we have been able to do in this past uh, so many years. Well, the way, the way you describe uh, this uh, reminds me of a soccer game, you know, where all the players are important. <laughs> and if uh, everyone is good, then the team wins. <laughs> yeah. so it's so much, um, so much in common with the sport. Yeah, you see, the fact that I'm actually a fan of uh, soccer in particular uh, make me think many times uh, in my mind, at least comparing, as you, as you just said, I mean, comparing a team that is actually family, but also uh, people that work together with a team of, uh, you know, teammates, actually, uh, that, uh, that have to share the same vision. Oh. Otherwise, uh, you will never be a winner, but you will most likely be a loser. <laughs> Right, that's that's you're very right. Um, and could you could you please tell about the roles of your family members? Like who do does what? 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, quickly, briefly mentioned earlier in a sense that luckily, uh, being so many, uh, we had a chance to be involved in a certain sector uh, according to our attitudes. And for instance, I'm happy to mention uh, my cousin Giancarlo, who uh, way a long time ago in high school and then even more in the university decided to become the enologist. So we are happy and proud to have uh, the real wine man, as I call him, the enologist part of the family. And then the other relatives are actually involved in sales uh, for looking after the Italian market, uh, administration, uh, human resources. So we really control all the main sectors of a, of a company. And then uh, two uh, cousins of mine, actually, two members of the fourth generation have been running since a long time, the hospitality business, which is the other branch of the family group. Okay, I see. And speaking of the, well, that's very interesting. I've met uh, Giancarlo uh, also at the, at the estate and it's, it's really positive and it, it, you can really see his lively character that, yeah. that he expresses in the wine somehow i don't know but but i just take a glass and i really feel this positive uh, <laughs> attitude well, well, oh. it is it is it is really very nice what you say very nice to hear uh, i mean uh, yeah when you when you when you enjoy a glass of tomasi wines and you kind of visualize and feel this very much giancarlo style I mean, when you get to know him personally like it happened with you then you can really see a lot about himself and his, and his personality and his way of being in our wine. So enjoyable, pleasant, and as I said earlier, no-brainer. And that really very much respects my, my cousin's uh, character. So I really like what you say. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> speaking of your human resource, I was really impressed uh, when I met uh, some of your um, members of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, especially export managers, uh, I noticed how much qualified they are. Mm -hmm. Even, um, to my impression, even overqualified to the positions they have. You know, they're really educated. They speak languages. They travel. They know market very well. They know much more than <laughs> than market in Italy. They're working in. So it's such a huge background they have, um, and it's really. Uh, I, I was I was uh, very happy that that to see uh, what what a brilliant what brilliant people you have in the team. And could you tell me how uh, what's your approach of uh, uh, choosing professionals that work for you? Uh, what do you seek? Uh, which criteria in their resumes or in their personality is the key for you? Italian Wine Podcast. Brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Well, I mean, you see, when you uh, look uh, for, when you have an open position in a certain uh, sector of the company, you, of course, have to start looking for somebody who has uh, most likely the experience that can be more or less depending on, on, on the timing. But, uh, I mean, when I interview candidates, uh, the first uh, and the most important thing I want to feel is the, if this person is empathic. I mean, I want to have my kind of my heart and soul telling me whether this is the right person or it is not. Uh, 
meanwhile, of course, I try to get the feeling whether this is really skilled at, at the level that I'm looking for. But more importantly, I mean, the question that I have to myself is, do I like him or not? And when I think of that question, I also think, would this person get along with the rest of the family and the rest of the team? Those are the two main questions that I, I do, I, I do uh, to myself when I listen to people introducing themselves, at least in the first, uh, in the first interview. Uh, and then everything else comes uh, almost by itself. So I'm really happy and proud of the way you described uh, some of my uh, you know, team members that you actually met. I'm very proud of them. Uh, sometimes you are lucky that you really find the right person. Sometimes you are really not and you just realize it, you know, over the time. But, uh, but again, besides the, how skilled they are in, in their, in their, you know, in their business, in, in, in their role, actually, uh, I really try to find people that can really be well, uh, um, received by the rest of the team at first step and be, uh, ideally, good partner in the same team. So you see very much the way we have been able in the family to create a certain atmosphere. I wish to be able to create the same atmosphere with, uh, with team members. And, and then in the end, it's also up to them to get along because you cannot really control their minds or their behavior. But at least to start with a good sense, mm, I believe this is the right person. And then time would tell. Well, it's um, it's it's a great way you put it. Um, you you said at the beginning that you're not gonna tell any secrets, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think you you already spill the the main secret. It's very rare when I hear from the CEO of the company that they look for some um, atmosphere. You know, it's so rare in business, in selling business, in uh, importers business, in uh, in a business where big money involved, that's quite rare, I should say. Well, it's nice uh, that that you you have this uh, approach. Uh, let's switch. Let's switch to uh, the projects uh, yeah. you have in other outside of Veneta, because it's very very interesting. Uh, please tell about them. Like wh wh where you chosen uh, which which wines outside of. Uh, Veneto you make and why you've chosen those uh, appellations, those yeah. regions? So, I mean, I have to say that this whole uh, project uh, or journey, as I like calling it, per journey started in uh, family holding, today called Tomasi Family States. Uh, once we all agreed on that, the company was actually able financially to invest. And our uh, desire uh, from the very beginning was to buy more vineyards. We have always been... Uh, uh, vintners. Uh, I mean, we have always produced wines with our own grapes. And the, uh, the amount of actors that we owned back then were not enough for a long-term project. So we decided to invest more in land. And in one way, we did it in, in, in immediately in the, in, from the very beginning in the Valpolicella area. But at the same time, we realized that we could be a long-term successful wine company if we would actually also possibly expand uh, with wine projects outside of our own area, uh, Veneto. 
And uh, we, when we finally agreed to do that, we thought that Tuscany should actually be the region to be for, for, for many reasons. I mean, the, the, uh, in a way, the importance, the notoriety of Tuscan wine regions all over the world based on all their uh, most historic uh, appellations, such as Brunello, uh, Canti Classico, Super Toscans, and, and then later on, Bulgari and all the others. So uh, that was actually the region where we first wanted to possibly invest. And uh, I actually mentioned Montalcino not as a coincidence, but because that was our dream in 97. But we were not able to really, in a way, afford an important project, an expensive project uh, back then. And at the same time, I think we were not brave enough. We were still young and we needed to do an experience somewhere else, probably to do our mistakes uh, in a less risky wine region before really uh, possibly, hopefully, getting into Montalcino area. And that's why, without giving up with the idea that Tuscany should be the region to be at, we decided to start a nice project in Maremma, Toscana, in southern Tuscany. As I said, uh, in a way less risky, so to speak. Uh, not as expensive as Montalcino was back then. And uh, that was actually a great, uh, great solution, a great decision, I can tell you, several years later. Because we learned how to work with different grapes than the local ones from Verona. We learned how to manage a company a few hours away from home. We learned how to handle with local employees, again, a bit far away from home. I mean, we learned so many things which were really uh, 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 critical for, for, for the following projects uh, that we made several years later. And uh, as I explained why Tuscany, uh, some years later, uh, we decided to expand in southern Italy, in Apulia region in particular, because we were then ready again to take another step. And then the strategy back then became very clear uh, with the ambition to invest more, we wanted to invest in those regions which could make the Tomasi family state's portfolio more complete and quite strength to be able to offer to all our national and international partners, I mean uh, customers basically, the chance to buy from, from us wines from three basically uh, uh, regions uh, in, uh, from Italy, north, central and south. I mean, and the rest uh, has been uh, a continuous uh, journey of, uh, of uh, I mean, a quite exciting, driven by a clear strategy behind, supported luckily by a, a very, uh, in a way, say healthy financial situation of our company. And, and the fact, uh, and I go back to the very beginning, that we are a very solid family with many members that are really giving 110% of themselves every single day. Uh, we ourselves spend a lot of time working and that is actually quite, uh, uh, quite important, uh, very strong roots to be able to expand as much as we have done so far. And I would like to go back quickly to Montalcino because, I mean, uh, as I mentioned, it was almost a dream back in 1997. And then we were finally able to make the dream become true in 2015 when we finally purchased the Casizano estate. So you see, it took 18 years 
before we got it. And uh, in my mind, I think it is like when you give birth to a child and then once he gets 18, he's now an adult and he's free to go. So apparently we started in 97, this Tomasi family state journey. We were kind of just born uh, in, in, in that sense. And 18, 18 years later, we were able to make the dream become true. And then the rest is history. And uh, I mean, I'm happy to announce that uh, after having added the Basilicata area also to the group uh, Lombardy for sparkling wines, uh, we actually Umbria, which is a, a, a sort of a work in progress project. But recently, during Vinitaly, we signed the last contract and acquired a very exciting project in one of the most exciting Italian wine regions, which is Etna and Sicily. Wow, that's that's uh, that's a great news. You'll be uh, you'll have Etna wines. I I can't wait uh, to see what what the style will be. I'm sure I, I can I I can really imagine this signature style of Tomasi and Etna wines. You know, yeah, well, <laughs> it can... should be really interesting. 100% and I can tell you probably at least one year before we will actually release the wines from there that uh, that is another region where we will definitely respect the characteristic of the area we, where we are at. I, I had the chance to visit the region a few times, uh, understand the region a little more uh and uh speak with local producers uh, many of them are actually good friends of mine and understand how different the soil can be according to the sub-region where you're at in Etna how much you are exposed to east towards the seaside whereas if you are more north or northwest and so on and so forth so I don't want to make a lesson about Etna wines now but I mean respecting the really the 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 kind of the crew um, or, uh, you know, which are really, very much part of the area uh, will be our mission. And so uh, this will give uh, definitely continuity to what we have done in every other wineries up to now. Well, um, I want to I ask uh, which, um, how, what is your choice based on when you, when you look for a direction for a new for a new project, is it uh, other's numbers or some studies, some recent studies, or maybe other pr successful producers that you look after? What really makes you choose uh, a new project in certain region? I mean, you you are actually always inspired by somebody, of course. Sometimes it can be just a good connection of people you know, uh, colleagues you know, but at the same time, it can also be when you feel and you understand that that region is going to grow, is going to really develop because you understand the potentials. You know, I can make different examples because they're not all alike. I kind of mentioned earlier why Maremma, uh, why Maremma in Tuscany, uh, the importance of the region and the fact that uh, when we were younger, uh, Montalcino was not affordable. But then Montalcino came later, and you can tell, I mean, the importance of Brunello as much as Amarone is. So we are proud to be producers of uh, two of the most, uh, I would say, prestigious and unique wines from Italy. Uh, but then I also mentioned why Puglia. We wanted to complete the portfolio with strategic wines, good value, good quality, good value wines from southern, from southern Italy, so that our customers 
would be able to buy wines from, our, from us from north, from central, and from south. Then Lombardy uh, project in Alter Popavese was driven by the uh, desire to be able to produce classical method of sparkling wines. And that is the land of Pinonero grape in Italy, the land of an historic Metodo Classico, which unfortunately as a wine region is not as known as it should be due to the importance of the area, the, the, the history of the area, Oltre Popavese, for, for sparkling wines, actually. Uh, then uh, Basilicata, because we, uh, we had the uh, great chance to do something together with a family, Paternoster, who we had known for a very long time, that was a few years ago in a position uh, to have the previous generation step out and the new generation, which is basically represented by, by Fabio Paternoster, the enologist, to really take over. And he was, he was willing to possibly be in partnership with a family that has a long-term project. And luckily, that the Tomasi family, actually us, was a family he was happy to do business with. And no, we're talking about a very small wine region, Basilicata, but where Paternoster is actually uh, the star. And uh, with a, a wine so complex, which is Alianico del Vulture, that as far as I can see up to now has, uh, a, is quite well received in Italy, in particular Central and Southern Italy. It's kind of growing its uh, you know, rec- uh, distribution in Northern Italy but it's still uh, not as known as it should be in all around the world. So with this project, we have a, a long way to go, which is, which is very exciting because it is going to inspire us every day. And then to finish with Etna, if I may say something about that, that was actually uh, quite obvious, I would say, these days, that if we would ever be able to do another investment, like we just did, we should look at the region which has been probably the fastest growing Italian wine region in the last, uh, say, 10 years, uh, with a great, great uh, location, uh, great, really, t- t- territory, uh, with big history, fascinating. You see, you know, the Etna volcano mountain behind you, and then you see uh, the sea uh, just in front of you, so an amazing place, and with very interesting wines that can be quite enjoyable when they're young and with the long aging potential. So, uh, Etna was actually inspired by the, uh, not just the beauty of the region and the quality of the wines, but also understanding that if Etna is very good today, it will actually be great in just a few years to come. Yes, I agree with you. I love uh, Etna wines, and I, I'm really impressed with the potential these wines have. And uh, considering those uh, regions you mentioned, uh, Orvieta and uh, Basilicata and um, Lombardia, I, I think those are underestimated, like Alta Papavese and Lombardia, those are underestimated, definitely. Those are great, they make uh, great wines that are uh not very known on the market but i hope they will be grown big in the in the next years i totally agree with you i would but, uh 
If I if I would play your game, yeah. I would I would do the same moves. Actually, you see, from I, uh, uh, from our end, Anna, we have uh, the ambition to contribute, to possibly contribute to take those little uh, still unknown regions to possibly become a bit more known in the future. So that is our our mission and. Uh, and one of the reasons why we are we are happy to be involved there as, as much as we are in more known wine regions such as Verona, uh, say Valpolicella, Lake Garda, Montalcino, etc. Great. Well, we have a question from our listener. It's Lucio Brito, and he wants to ask whether Tomasi wine is being exported to Brazil. Yes, they are actually. We have uh, three, say, regional distributors in Brazil. Uh, all three, uh, in a way, at the moment, include primarily the, the core wines from the Veneto portfolio. So Amarone, of course, uh, Valpolicella, Ripasso in particular. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm sure uh, your name is Lucio, right? You can uh, certainly easily reach out to me by email and I can give you more information uh, where you can possibly uh, find our wines there in the market. Thank you so much. And I would uh, like to ask you about uh, Lugana. Uh, it's a project. is my favorite white wine you make. Uh, I've tasted absolutely all white wines uh, you produce. I, everyone has its character. Everyone is great. But, but Lugana is very special. It's so deep. It has great structure. It's very promising. You know, and I I feel how it develops with an age. Uh, it's truly a great wine. And I know it's a, quite a new project for you, uh, La Farnaccia Lugana. Could you say, please, a few words about it, how you came up with it, and what's your uh, ideas about this, uh, about this project, about this wines? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, very happy to talk about Lugana because that is actually a wine that I also love from the white wine side. And, and the way you described, I would have used actually the same, exactly the same words um, from, say, from the, from the technical and stylistic standpoint. Uh, Lugana is not really such a recent project from us in a sense that we have owned a fairly small vineyard in the Lugana area at least since 30 years. But it's only been, only been since 2014 when we decided to really make it way more important than what it used to be. And therefore, we, uh, in uh, just a couple of years, we bought uh, several more vineyards uh, to the point that we actually own 45 hectares under vine today, which is quite large state in, in the Lugana area. And uh, in a way, I mean, many reasons why. One in particular, uh, which I, in a way I haven't mentioned so far, but this is also good for other wine projects in other regions where we are involved outside of Veneto. The fact that since uh, a part of our family DNA and activity has been in the hospitality business with hotels and restaurants, uh, the project we choose are not only necessarily linked to the production of that wine period. But that actually, I mean, making wine or making that wine is only something about a larger project and, and a much longer term project, which definitely includes 
the, uh, the, the, how do you say, the, the importance of uh, talking uh, about the region where the wine is based and where the wine is produced. In particular, where uh, incoming annual tourism potentials are actually huge. Where we can develop an hospitality project to welcome visitors to come visit us and enjoy the wines locally. So Lugana is a perfect area for that. You know, beautiful uh, area, beautiful cities in, in, the, in, the, area, in the region, uh, very uh, busy from the touristic standpoint. So in one end, we have the chance to produce uh, a lovely wine, which is technically uh, and enjoyable and with aging potential, as you mentioned. While on the other end, we have the chance to do it in a region which is full of annual tourism, and that is quite uh, part of uh, our, uh, you know, family uh, path, which will hopefully continue for a very long time. Thank you. Thank you, Perangelo. We have just uh, nine minutes uh, left until the end of the clubhouse. So I have two more questions to ask you. And uh, could you please tell me uh, what, do you hope, uh, what do you wish Tamazi uh, company, Tamazi group uh, would be like in 10 years? Well, I mean, uh, cert uh, first of all, to still be a very solid uh, family-based company, and I'm 110% sure this will actually happen. No question about it, because in 10 years I will still be here, and I will make sure that the company will continue to be uh, as solid as it is today in terms of family involved. And then, of course, we have 10 years to go to work hard every day to make our uh, brand recognition grow, develop even further, improve, uh, and in, in basically, as a sort of a long, long story short, be known as Tomasi family states, be known and considered as one of the most uh, uh, respectful, representative, of quality Italian wines throughout the world. Okay, that sounds very promising. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope to see uh, how you grow in uh, ten years. Really, um, what uh, what is your favorite uh, Tomasi wine, by the way? I mean, Anna, here it's quite easy to answer. I mean, Tomasi de Buri Samarone. What else? <laughs> That's right. It's so breathtaking that uh, nothing else uh, would um, even close but maybe maybe your ethno wine would be uh, as uh, as great <laughs> we'll see maybe we'll some see. of the new projects i mean you see i mean the tech uh, to just uh, quickly quickly explain the reason why i answered about amarone i mean you can tell this is a wine that i've been in a way admiring uh, since uh, I was a child, uh, seeing how my father and uncles were carefully selecting grapes, drying them on, on the, on, uh, in, the, in the drying loft areas, uh, and, and so on and so forth, all the way through the long aging, etc. Then I, I became to an age where I started appreciating the wine, and that, that wine has actually represented us throughout the world, uh, and it has helped me also in a way to succeed in my business. So on one end, I, I love it as a wine, but on the other end, it represents my, my story. So the answer is definitely easy. 
Then the Buris uh, project and single vineyard came years later, and that is actually certainly the cherry on the cake. That said, I have to say that if I had to pick a region where, as a uh, private wine consumer, usually buys to enjoy, that is definitely Tuscany. For some reasons, I have a, I'm particularly a fan of. Etna, I can tell you, I am so excited. I really look forward to releasing the first uh, Tomasi family wines from there. And, and what's, the, uh, what's the biggest market for Amarone de Buris? Well, actually, the Buris itself, uh, in a way, respects also uh, what is the other Tomasi Amarone Classico in terms of uh, recognition distribution. Uh, there, are, there are three main regions, actually, where we are at, say, uh, United States and Canada, for sure, and then uh, Scandinavian market a lot. But also, I mean, the historic ones in Europe, such as Switzerland, Germany. Uh, but technically, I would say all five continents. You see, the beauty of Amarone and the good Amarone, and we are very lucky to be one of the producers of this amazing wine, is that the style, the characteristics are in a way enjoyed everywhere, all around the world. I mean, the wine match the international palate and international cuisine. And, it, and that is quite important for the success of the wine. So we are proud, but also lucky to be one of the historic producers of this amazing wine. That's, uh, that's a great way you put it. Uh, it's a taste that unites uh, <laughs> all five continents. Uh, it's, it's quite challenging to, to uh, produce wine which uh, so many people would appreciate uh, and, and cherish. You know, that's really a hard, uh, hard thing. And I, I remember uh, visiting uh, the estate. Um, I had a chance to taste uh, berries that were drying. You know, uh, the berries from the Buddhist uh, vineyard. Yeah. And I can still feel the taste of those grapes. You know, they're so fresh and with good acidity, with really a nice fruitness. And I could really feel it in, uh, in the wine as well. You know, this very sophisticated taste. It's mm. uh, pretty amazing. You see, <laughs> I really. Uh... Yeah, I'm happy I tasted uh, the actual grape, you know, that we'll see, that the market will see in five years. Yeah, yeah. you see, I mean, uh, we just, uh, you and I kind of described uh, the Amarone wine kind of more from the technical standpoint. But I, I, I mean, as I remember your visit and how much you enjoyed, you see, you can be really, uh, you, you are, no, you can be, you are a great ambassador of it because... Uh, even more than tasting berries, as you said, and enjoying wine, etc., you you visited the vineyard, so you really had a chance to experience the importance of a vineyard dedicated to such an important wine. So, I mean, our family philosophy is: uh, uh, you you if you want to make a good wine, you you start by far from the vineyard, and then just after you do actually do your best in the cellar. But if you don't really have the proper vineyards for premium projects, everything else you try to do will most likely fail. So land is the key of a success. All right, everybody. That was a lovely conversation. It sounds very heartfelt, actually. So I really enjoyed that. I, uh, 
Unfortunately, because it's so close to seven, I'm going to have to close the room. But I just wanted to thank you both for for that conversation. That was really lovely. Well, I mean, thank you, Joy. Thank you so much, Anna, for uh, your questions and conversation. I would like to say thank you also to Lika, who actually uh, worked and helped us to get this uh, together. And uh, thank you all for attending. I hope to see you visiting Tomasi one day, if, it's, uh, if this will be the first time. First time, otherwise, again, and not just in the Veneto, but also in the other regions. Keep promoting and enjoying Italian wines, guys, because you are, really are the ambassadors. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys, for, for listening. Thank you, Pierangelo, for this really nice talk. Thank you. Thank you both. And, and just in case there are any people who would like to ask questions, but because we are out of time, you can always ping Laika on Instagram at Italian Wine Podcast. Or you can also just send us an email at info at italianwinepodcast.com. And I would be happy to forward those questions. So um, have a good night, everybody. And um, see you next time. Ciao. 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 Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Vinitali Academy home of the gold standard of Italian wine education. Do you want to be the next ambassador? Apply online at vinitaliinternational.com for courses in London, Austria, and Hong Kong, the 27th to the 29th of July. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. guys i'm joy livingston and i am the producer of the italian wine podcast thank you for listening we are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began this is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day of course this takes time and effort not to mention the cost of equipment production and editing we would be grateful for your donations suggestions requests and ideas for more information on how to get in touch go to italianwinepodcast.com